You're listening to Parents You've Got This, the expert guide to parenthood. Your complete guide to pregnancy, birth, baby and parenting. Join us for the journey. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Mustella. Mustella is a natural origin skincare for babies and children, recommended by healthcare professionals. Mustella, by parents' side since 1950. Today's episode is all about miscarriage, which unfortunately is a very common occurrence with one in seven pregnancies ending in a miscarriage. We have our obstetrician expert, Dr. Peter Jesevic, here to talk to us all about this painful and really important topic. Dr. Peter is an obstetrician of over 27 years. Um, He has delivered over 6,000 babies and he specialises in high-risk pregnancies. He's also the Australian pioneer of the maternally assisted caesarean and he is a leading obstetrician and gynaecologist at Francis Perry House and head of obstetrics at the Royal Women's Hospital in Melbourne. So Pete, thank you so much for joining us today. Why is the rate of miscarriage so high? So thank you for having me today. The rate of miscarriage is high because if we think about the very complex process in conception where a sperm and an egg fuse to create an embryo which then forms a human being, you can imagine that's a very complex process and so it's not surprising that there will be an attrition rate to that. Ironically, if you look at the stats you mentioned at the beginning, in fact probably over 50% of all conceptions ever derived will actually fail. So when we talk about the one in seven, the 15%, we're talking about that group of women who've missed their period, they've got a positive pregnancy test, whether it's a urine test or a blood test, they've had an ultrasound, there's a pregnancy that can be seen, one in seven, 15% of those will fail. And we can look at a lot of factors for that and probably more relevant to current circumstances with women delaying their fertility for a bunch of reasons. So uh, women who are a little bit older and hence their eggs are a bit older, Uh, circumstances to perhaps environmental exposures, uh, body conditioning and awareness, and of course sometimes underlying conditions that can predispose. It it explains why we have the rates we have and potentially why we're possibly seeing those rates increasing. And so can you mitigate any of those risks to miscarry? Look, certainly if your life circumstances allow it, I would always advocate for trying to have your children as young as you feasibly can. Uh, There's no question that if you were dare I say a 20 year old, you're gonna have a much lower miscarriage rate than if you were a 40 year old. Of course, you may not be ready to be having children at such a young age. Then of course, there's health and conditioning. So really ideally starting a pregnancy with a good BMI, uh, certainly avoiding risk factors that are obvious like smoking and excess alcohol, keeping fit, dare I say. Uh, There are certainly situations where if you have a pre-existing medical condition, you'd speak to your care practitioner and you would ensure that that condition is under control and a good example for it would be whether it be thyroid disease or diabetes. So what are the signs of miscarriage, Pete? If we've had that experience, like you say, of you know, having a positive pregnancy test, um, how do we know that then we've miscarried? Sure, so for some women with great frustration, disappointment, they might come in to see an obstetrician or a specialist for an ultrasound and actually find out only on the scan that there's something wrong and might have actually still felt quite obviously pregnant. But then of course there are the other telltale symptoms, whether it be bleeding <clears throat> of varying magnitude, pain, a really sudden cessation of symptoms where you went from say feeling sick to not feeling sick. So certainly if you have any symptoms which you think are outlying symptoms in the beginning of your pregnancy journey, you probably would want to contact your care provider to get assessed. And then so what happens if you do miscarriage? What do they do? So if we've had a, a demonstrable pregnancy fail, so a miscarriage, uh, we would talk to the woman and explain for me the statistics 
I think that's really important because a lot of women will start to feel concerned that there's something wrong with them, yeah. something they might have done to contribute to this, which is very rarely ever the case. And it really lets them appreciate the fact that, at, look, with one in seven, they're not unique. And in fact, it's arguably quite common. From that point onward, you start to give them some choices as to how they might wish to proceed with managing that miscarriage. So there are some women who will miscarry and the pregnancy will come away completely. And there's nothing that needs to be done other than to explain that to them, to reassure them, to hopefully see them recover to a normal menstruation in a short period of time, and hopefully they'll be able to reattempt their pregnancy journey. But there are other women who will have a pregnancy that's there in either complete or incomplete form, and that might need to be helped to be removed. And there are ways of doing that which can be passive, simply just waiting. There are surgical approaches, and we refer to that as a suction curette. And occasionally there are medications that we can give as well. And basically the choices would be relevant to the circumstances. So Pete, if we've had a miscarriage, how do we know if we can try again to have a baby? Um, is there a time that we need to wait? Are there factors that we need to consider before we try and get pregnant again? Sure. So when you miscarry, generally we would expect your gonadostat, so your reproductive system, to kick back into action at some stage in the next four to six weeks. Sometimes it'll be a fraction longer and even up to a few months can be quite normal. And certainly beyond that, you'd probably speak to your care provider. But hopefully once the miscarriage has occurred, either as a complete event or with some intervention, your body will return to normal, you'll get another menstruation. For most women, except for a very advanced miscarriage, for example, something that might've occurred beyond the 14th or 16th week, we would abdicate, wait till you've had that first menstruation. And if you're physically and emotionally ready, start trying again. And hopefully if you're able to conceive easily the first time, you'll be able to conceive easily the next time. Of course, sometimes you can have a few months not falling pregnant straight away, but hopefully you will. I would certainly understand that for that subsequent pregnancy, there'll be a degree of anxiety associated with that because you've just miscarried. And I would always offer when I look after an early ultrasound scan for reassurance. In terms of uh, the process of testing, testing is really unique to the circumstances. So a 40 year old, first pregnancy that's miscarried, you would assume with 85% confidence there's probably something genetically wrong with the pregnancy, an egg-related issue, nothing that was controllable, hopefully won't occur again, try to get pregnant next time. Mm. For someone who might have had a couple of miscarriages and we're starting to be concerned about something underlying, we might investigate with blood tests and we might check your immune, your clotting, your endocrine system, thyroid for example. And occasionally we can look at very simple agents that we can prescribe which have got some anecdotal benefits. So we know that vitamin B3 through its action in the niacin pathway can sometimes help to improve a fertility outcome in early pregnancy. Coenzyme Q10, an antioxidant, simply acquired over the counter, can be looked at being used. There's some evidence that low dose aspirin usage in the first trimester of pregnancy can improve blood supply to an early conception, could be considered. And then of course there are sometimes prescription medications and this would be in discussion with your care provider. So whether that be steroid, and there's some questionable benefits to that, injectable medications to reduce your, um, within out your blood, uh, again some issues associated with safety and efficacy, and even occasionally some progesterone support which is a hormone substance. So we can look at the individual, look at the circumstances, look at pre-existing risk factors, the number of miscarriages, and then we can, particularly as a specialist, discuss with you whether something might enhance your next attempt. But dare I say for a lot of women, it is literally just hoping that the next egg and the next sperm fusion will lead to a good baby. 
So statistically, if you've had a miscarriage, doesn't mean necessarily the next or subsequent pregnancies will end in a miscarriage. Yeah. So we've got good data on this. So we know the first pregnancy risk is 15%. For a second pregnancy, the risk is not increased based on statistics. So the chances of miscarrying the next time for pregnancy number two is still only 15%. But once you have a second miscarriage, and particularly if it's a second consecutive pregnancy, then the risk starts to increase. So it can go from the second pregnancy up to 25% for the third. And for the third, it can go up to about 35, 40% for the fourth. Now, the reason for that, if you think about it logically, is if you're having these successive consecutive miscarriages, there's a higher chance that there's something underlying. So this goes beyond just <coughs> egg quality. This goes into, could there be something actually wrong with you? And ironically, that could be asymptomatic. You could be a perfectly healthy individual, but not realize you've actually got a clotting disorder a perfectly healthy individual and you don't realise you've got an immune disorder. And we can investigate that and then we can offer treatments for that. And if we offer treatments for specific conditions, we can often bring those risk factor statistics back to the population average. Right? But the one thing, of course, we can't control per se is age air quality. And so when there is a concern that that is the issue, that's when we start having conversations about referrals to fertility doctors to discuss IVF, when we do embryo selection, essentially what we're doing is we're making lots of babies, IVF, and we're testing those babies. And the good ones, the ones that are genetically normal, we're then transferring those ones back in. So at least you know the embryo that's in you is genetically normal. What supports are available, Pete, to people that have suffered a miscarriage? So for me, the number one support is your family. <clears throat> and that's why I always advocate talking and letting your parents close relatives know that you're pregnant so that they go with the highs and the lows, okay? And of course your partner. Beyond that, of course, you've got your care provider, whether that be a doctor or a nurse, a midwife. And then outside of that, there are services through the hospitals, whether it be in a public or private system. And of course, there are numerous psychological supports and there's also online and phone-based services. And we're all aware of things like, you know, Beyond Blue and Red Nose and all those sorts of places who have counsellors to help you if you're really taking a mental hit from this. Mm. And I always acknowledge this, and I've acknowledged this from a very early start in my practice. It is extraordinary to think that you can pee on a stick and see two lines and it changes you. It changes you because you are now going to become a parent. And then for whatever reason, days or weeks later, that changes and is taken away from you, can be very confronting. And so we need to, particularly as care practitioners, be very attuned so not just the physicality and the science and all the things I've just talked about, yeah. but the psychology and be very supportive of the women when they're going through this because it can be really gut-wrenching. The good news is for most women, that one aberration or event is unlikely to be a recurring theme for the majority of the population. So the majority of you, this might occur during your pregnancy journey, but hopefully you'll still end up with your family. And so is there anything that you can do to prevent a miscarriage? So without question, again, all the things we alluded to early on, be well, be healthy, have a good BMI, avoid things that we know are obvious, you know, illicit drugs, smoking, etc. cetera. Uh, if you're able to take all your early prenatal vitamins, your folate, your iodine, iron if you're deficient, you know, those sorts of things are really important. Uh, certainly if you have any underlying risk factors, make sure that they get addressed. And so you're in the best health you can be when you start your pregnancy journey. But again, it really does go back to the beginning. If your life circumstances allow it, the best way that you can mitigate a pregnancy fail is start your pregnancy journey as young as you can. 
if your circumstances allow it. It does make a difference. Thank you so much, Pete, for joining us on the pod today. That was really informative and reassuring and just what so many people need to hear. So thank you for sharing your expertise. My pleasure. Next week on the pod, we have you back again and we're going to be discussing pregnancy diet and lifestyle with Dr. Peter Jesevic. A huge thanks to Mustella for sponsoring this episode. Did you know that Mustella is not only for babies? Mustella also has a range of maternity products like the 100% Certified Organic Stretch Marks Oil, Stretch Marks Cream, and the Certified Organic Lanolin Free Nipple Balm made up of 100% natural ingredients and dermatologists tested. Mustella Products, our family's favourite. You've been listening to the Expert Guide to Parenthood and never forget parents, you've, you've got, got this. The information provided in this podcast is general in nature and is intended to support, not replace, a discussion with your doctor or healthcare professional. Parents You've Got This take no responsibility for any medical decisions made by individuals based on the information provided in this podcast. You've been listening to Parents You've Got This, the expert guide to parenthood. You've got this parenting gig 